don't you grab a seat? Why don't you grab a seat? We are in our third week of the Attitude Adjustment. If you're uh, just joining us, we're in this series called The Attitude Adjustment. Uh, give me a show of hands. How many of you have been enjoying it? And uh, that's good. Give me a show of hands. How many of you have not been enjoying it? Um, that's up. Yep. See week one. No, well done. And uh, I love this series. It's, it's, it's a really, if you're somebody who's new to church today, uh, I just want to let you know this is something that whether you believe what we believe, this can make a huge difference in your life. You know, I was chatting with a, a lady this week. She's a receptionist, a place I, I frequent. I don't know her very well, but we were just chatting and, you know, the weather's getting warmer. And she said it was, uh, it was one of the days, I think we hit like over 30 one day this week. And uh, she was like, you know, and everybody's coming in going, oh, geez, it's too hot. And, you know, and everybody's complaining on the heat. And I was like, oh, I know. I was like, do you know what? We're doing this series in our church right now. And we're talking about, you know, our attitudes and uh, how we shift from complaining to thankfulness. And I told her about the rubber band. She was in intrigued with that. And, uh, and it's just a great series and I encourage you. And I said, you know, come, come join. This is great stuff to invite people to. You know, this is a real easy series. Or if there's people in your life you want to reach out to, it's an easy one to direct people to. Hey, check this out, you know. And I've been amazed how, how well it's been met by so many people. And um, so if you don't know about the Lackey Bands yet, that's all right. You'll get to hear uh, about it as we go if you're new here today. This, so the first week, we looked at kind of how there's these attitudes in our lives that can keep us from actually kind of this full, abundant life that's what we believe God wants for each one of us. Uh, there's certain attitudes that have a way of keeping us out of it. And then there are other attitudes that we can kind of take on instead that allow us uh, to step into the abundance of life God wants for us. Our first week, we talked about adjusting the attitude we wanted to take off. Anybody remember the first week? What was it? Complain. And like I said, the cool thing about this series is like people loving it. They're into it. They remember it. It's really obviously... <laughs> been so helpful in their lives, and that's just an awesome thing. And um, so anyway, and then the, the, and instead of complaining, to cultivate the hearts of thankfulness, gratitude. That's right. You are strong on the second one. If there's one to be strong on, it's that, because that's the one we actually, we want, you know. We're not just trying to avoid something. There's something God has for us. And then last week, we talked in our second week about uh, taking off an attitude of being, yeah, and taking on an attitude of being. Ah, yeah, you were just messing with me on the first one, weren't you? You are like, we're going to see if he complains about that. And then he, he did, and so he kind of made a comment, and that wasn't really very fair of me at all, and so I understand. So the, the idea of these lackey vans, the challenge is whenever you find yourself experiencing one of the attitudes that you want to change, uh, you don't snap yourself. It's not a oh, bad me, I did a bad thing, but it helps you be aware and go, we just take it off, and you switch it to the other wrist and go, you know what, I'm taking that off, and I'm choosing this instead, and that's what we moved to. So this week, new attitude. We're still looking at the people of Israel in the book of Numbers. Let's check it out, our verse for this week. Numbers 12. While they were at Hazaroth, Miriam and Aaron, this is Aaron's, uh, this is Moses' brother and sister, they criticized Moses. Let me hear you say criticize. Uh, $10 to anyone who knows what the attitude is for today. Anyway, I'm no, just kidding. Just kidding. John will get it to you. Uh, Moses... <laughs> They criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord, and they, they, were, they were kind of part of Moses' leadership team. They were, they were kind of the, the three of them. But the Lord heard them. Now, here's what we're going to look at uh, for a moment. And, and I love the little comment. Uh, now, Moses, who they were criticizing, was very humble, more humble than any other person 
on earth. It lets them, this is the character, the person that they were actually criticizing. Now, here's what we're going to look at today, and it is a critical attitude. A critical attitude. Now, let's just kind of get ourselves into the scenario, what's going on here uh, back in Numbers 12. You know, uh, come, come back. In fact, we'll put those verses up for a moment. Moses, uh, you know, he's been leading the people. Miriam and Aaron, this is his brother and his sister. Together, they kind of, they're working together, leading together. This is sort of Moses' kind of right and left hand, uh, you know, people at his side. Um, but it says that they criticized Moses. Now, here is uh, what it looks like to many trans. Translations will say here they, they spoke against Moses. Uh, it's a picture that they were speaking about Moses, but not to Moses. And not only were they speaking about Moses, they weren't speaking like words of encouragement and like, you know, hey, aren't we so glad we've got Moses and, you know, he's the most humble guy on the face of the earth. And, you know, how many, you know, that doesn't always happen with siblings as well. You know, like there's, there's kind of a little reality here. Uh, sometimes our, our siblings can be the easiest people to, to want to feel a little critical towards. And, and it tells us that they were, they were criticizing, they were speaking against him, but they weren't going to him. Uh, now, I know what will happen is this morning already we'll say, okay, critical attitude. We've got to get rid of that. And I know that there will probably be some people around this room who will go, don't worry. I'm not critical. I'm just analytical. <laughs> I'm not critical. But the Lord has gifted me with the capacity to see faults and challenges in other people. And it's one of my gifts to the body of Christ and to the people around me. And, and if that's you, uh, we're, we're just going to wrap around that there is a place and we'll get to that as well. So if you're already, and I know there may be some feeling, but wait, you're saying I could never say I must only say only positive, encouraging, even about my brother and sister. Like, come on, uh, Dean, that rubber band will not be flexible enough for what I need. And there, there may be that feeling. There is a place for speaking truth and love, but we'll have a look at what that actually looks like. What we want to wrap our minds around first is what does a critical attitude look like? You know what critical attitude uh, is all about. I like in, in the book that we've inspired this from, Lord Change My Attitude, James McDonald says that a, a critical attitude, a critical spirit is this, is to dwell on the perceived faults, often only perceived, but the perceived faults of another with no view to their good. A critical attitude is when we get zoned in on and focus on and dwell on and camp out on what we perceive as the faults in another person, without even looking at all at the whole picture of, of who they are, without seeing the good. Our first week, we talked about complaining, and that is our attitude towards situations. Being critical is about uh, our attitude towards people specifically. And a critical attitude, look at how it kind of plays out then and there. They're like Moses. It says they started to criticize him, uh, you know, critical of him. Why? Because he'd married, it says, a Cushite woman. So a Cush, Cush in, in that time was what is now modern-day Ethiopia. This whole thing starts from this place of we don't like who he's married. Now, we don't know much about this wife. He appears to have taken this wife somewhere kind of between the exodus and where they are now, roughly kind of, I think, about 18 months later. And you're like, somehow in the midst of it, with everything Moses had going on, he takes another, uh, he takes a wife for himself, this Cushite woman. You know, you're like, how did... In the midst of all this, how did Moses do that as well? You know, he kind of walking through the Red Sea, parted on both sides. Come on, everybody, everybody. Hey, uh, can I grab your number? <laughs> all right, everybody through, everybody through. You know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, all I can tell you is we don't know a lot about it. But he took a wife, uh, this Kushite. And what they're saying is, you know what? We don't really like 
this, this Cushite wife. We don't know a lot about why. Why he took the, you know, we don't know why they thought it was bad. But go back to the verses, and what you'll see is this is an interesting thing about criticism. It often manifests at one level, the criticizing his wife and his choice of, and why he took this, this wife. They don't like that. But it moves to this. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? And what you begin to realize and see here is that criticism, it comes out up here, but it is always a reflection of something going on deeper down here. Does that make sense? We criticize certain things. We criticize sometimes people's actions. We criticize what we see in them. But the reality is criticism always has its roots in something that is actually going on in our own hearts. They didn't like. We see as they keep talking, this is about, hey, what about us? This guy's not a real big deal. Hasn't God spoken through us too? I mean, we're, we're, we're part of the... We're part of the team. We're part of the crew. I mean, who is this? Moses, can I tell you something? Criticism. Here's why criticism always feels so good. It's because criticism has a way. Criticism is almost like this, this spotlight that we focus on someone's faults. And whenever we focus that spotlight on someone else, it's almost like we get to feel better about ourselves. And maybe it's a, a jealousy driving that. Maybe it's an envy. Maybe it's an insecurity. But whatever it is, it's kind of like criticism. It's sort of like, okay, once I'm shining, I, I used to have this teacher in year seven. Her name was Mrs. Salo. And I realize now, you know, I didn't at the time, but she's probably like one of the nicest ladies to ever walk the face of the earth. She was so nice. And she would have us write these notes to one another called warm fuzzies, and you might have done that again. She was that, that kind of lady, you know. And she always had this saying, if we did, uh, mostly my friends, but myself occasionally, um, if we did say, you know, something sort of mean about someone else or make fun of them or a joke or, or criticize, she'd always say, you know what you're doing? Has anyone ever heard this saying? You're blowing out someone else's candle to make yours look brighter. Whew, Mrs. Salo, <laughs> take it easy. That's good stuff right there. And, and that was, and it was this really, and we would then, we'd even then start to joke and say to her, like, hey, 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 you're just blowing out there, candle, make yours look brighter. This is what criticism does. I can kind of critique the faults I see in you, and somehow I kind of feel better in the process. And it's like for Miriam and Aaron, it's like the more they criticize Moses and he's not so good, the better they're starting to feel about, look at us. You know why criticism is so tough to, to change or to, to, to kind of keep ourselves from? It is so tempting because whenever we criticize someone else, we inherently begin to feel better about ourselves. We inherently begin to feel uh, just a little bit brighter. And you know what? Hey. I mean, look at what they're doing. I mean, you know, look, hey, actually, I'm, I'm pretty good when I start to compare my best parts of me with their worst parts, you know. And that's what criticism does. It's like the spotlight that we shine on someone else's faults. That, to be honest, none of us like it when that spotlight's on us, do we? And that's why I can feel so good to turn it on someone else. This is the, the kind of core of what being a critical person is. It's I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on what I see wrong or perceive wrong or, or think is, is your shortcomings, and I'm going to camp out there on it. You know, the interesting thing, though, watch how God deals with this. You know, he doesn't go, hey, you guys are great. You know, 
analytical people here. Well done on finding something that Moses was, you know, not, not yet working on the way maybe he should or whatever, you know. Watch, watch how God deals with this because it gives us some great insight. Next verse, verse 4. It says, so immediately the Lord called to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam and said, get out to the tabernacle, all three of you. Oh, man, you're just. <laughs> you know, I had another teacher in year seven. He was our music teacher, and I kid you not, his name was Mr. Singer. And uh, <laughs> with your last name, Singer, your, your life has a direction. There's a current, you know. And Mr. Singer, this was what Mr. Singer would always do. He, uh, we had, you know, like a hallway, and it had locker rooms in it, and they were numbered. And if you were doing something, again, mostly my friends, but occasionally myself as well. And um, just kidding, it was me, all right, confess, honest. But, but he had this thing. This is what he would do. He'd go, as soon as he saw you, and you'd think like he didn't see you, like you'd throw a paper airplane, you'd think, no, he did not see that, and he'd spin around, and he'd go, locker 141, now, and that was it, and he knew all the locker numbers, and he'd be like, that's it, locker 242, go, and you just knew, oh, man, you know, now I'm out, I gotta, so you'd go in the hallway, and you'd find the locker, and you'd sit there, and you'd wait for Mr. Singer to come and tell you what was going to happen, and I used to think, you know, why did, what, how does he pick these, but then I realized as well, like, he knew enough lockers that he could spread a group of three across the hallway, he'd be like, 141, 342, 212, you know, and, and now you're out in the hallway, and you're all just sitting there going like, you know, we're going to get it, you know, and this, can I tell you something? This is that moment. Can you imagine, like, God is like, you three, tent of meeting now. There's an exclamation point in this. Do you know there's no punctuation in the original Hebrew? The words are that emphatic. They're like, this is an exclamation point moment. God's like, you three, get out there now. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Dude, what, what, come on, man. You know, you imagine three siblings all on their way going like, oh, boy, you know. And then the Lord descended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. I feel like I want to cower just reading it. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. Oh, no. And this is what he says to them. And the Lord said to them, now listen to what I say. Reckon, reckon they, uh, he had their attention? <laughs> If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I'd speak to them in dreams. Verse 7, he goes on. But not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? Now, here's what I want us to get from this. Do we understand how seriously God takes criticism? How seriously, like a big issue, being critical to others is to God? And, and what God says to them, I mean, it, he deals with it immediately. He says, you get to the tent of meeting, we are going to have a talk about this. And why? Because God dislikes Miriam and Aaron? Because God is just like, I'm, I don't let, no, because he loves them and he has a plan for their lives like he has a plan for your life and mine. And he knows that a critical attitude will keep us from the life he dreams for us. And he says to him, do you get this? Like when there's a prophet, I speak in riddles and, and, and I speak in dreams. And it's a little bit hard to understand. Prophets are pretty special people. And that's how I talk with them. Now with Moses, I speak face to face. 
with great clarity. He sees me as a, like Moses is clearly, uh, God is, you know, he's called the friend of God. And, and God's like, if that's how I feel about Moses, and you know this, how could you think this was okay? Like, how, it's almost you feel like God kind of just saying to him, like, how did this work in your mind that you thought, here's Moses whom God loves and dearly, but it's okay for us to be critical of, of this wife and of what's going on in his life. Can I tell you something? You know why God, as we see here, treats criticism and being critical with such strong reaction? It's because not only uh, the, the way we are critical of others, it is a personal offense to God. There is no person you will meet, no person in your family, your workplace, your church, your sports teams, there is no one for whom God has not said, this person is made in my image. They're my child. And when we begin to be critical and harsh towards those God loves, we should understand this is how God sees this. This is how he feels about it. And he says, no, no. Remember 1 Corinthians 10, these things are all written as warnings to us that we might see this and realize so we don't fall into the same traps. And being critical is one of the easiest traps to fall into. What ends up happening is Miriam is going to become leprous. She's going to spend a week with leprosy. And what that means is she had to spend a week outside of the camp. She seems to be the one bearing the most responsibility for what had taken place. And she has to be separated from the whole community for a week. Moses intercedes and God says, that's fine. I will heal her, but she's going to have to pay the consequence for this. And what you begin to realize this is criticism is something that actually breaks off our relationships. When we are critical, it has an effect on all of our relationships. First, our relationship with God, and then our relationship with the people around us. And not only the ones we're critical toward, but all of the people around us. Miriam gets cut off for the from the entirety of the camp. When we have a critical heart, a critical spirit, can I tell you something? That becomes something that's a barrier to good relationships. You think, well, it's not, you know, I'm criticizing to this person. That, I mean, they, what do they care? They don't even know that person. No one wants to be around a critical spirit. No one wants to be around a critical person. No one wants to be around somebody who's constantly, you know, going into the faults of others and dwelling on that. No matter how justified it might feel to us in a moment, it's just not the life God dreams for us. Now, here is, what does God imagine instead? This one's a hard one to, to put off, but when we begin to dwell on someone else's faults and speak about that, what should we put on instead? God gives us some insight in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And this is a picture you hear it most often at weddings, but it's a picture for just how he wants his people to live. In Paul's writing, it says here, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. In other words, if I'm really analytical and I can see and understand all kinds of things and share it with people but you don't have love, you may as well just be smashing a, a clanging a symbol. If I have the gift of prophecy, can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. All of it's for, for want if you don't have love. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body over to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. What we see is that the one defining attitude feature of God's people that he wants for each of our lives is love. 
to be the most loving, accepting people in the world. To be the most just farthest away from moving into an area of criticism. It's what he wants for us. Now, what, is, what does this love look like? And this is uh, the, the, most, the more well-known part yet of 1 Corinthians 13. Let's pick that up in verse 4. He says, love is patient and kind. In our dealings with people, are we patient? Are we kind? I was literally behind a slow driver today. They had us backed up like five deep because they were going like 20 Ks an hour on a 50 K an hour road. What were they looking at? I don't know. And um, <laughs> and I felt the impulse inside of me to go, do you know where I'm trying to go? And it was so fast, and it was like, Lord, no, not today. You know, <laughs> just love is patient. It's patient. That's the honest truth, how quick that impulse. I'm literally preparing to talk about patience. <laughs> and it just, oh, it's so quick. It's so easy. But love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. And you know what was amazing as well? In the moment, once I immediately felt that prick and I turned it down, I was amazed how much more relaxed I was. I was amazed how much peace, like what was about to, you know, like not that I have severe road rage problems, but what was about to be an unhelpful attitude in my spirit was immediately quenched by just going, no, be patient. They probably are looking at the trees around them and soaking God's good creation, and I felt so patient and for them. <laughs> Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It doesn't look at what someone else has and immediately want to begin to find their faults because it's not jealous or boastful or proud. It's for people. Love is for people. It doesn't demand its own way. It doesn't try to impose, hey, here's what I want right now, and you're in a barrier to that. And it, it, love does not demand its own way. You know, it is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. Can we stop there and just work only on that today? <laughs> this is love. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wrong. It doesn't rejoice about injustice, but it rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love and truth are not opposed to one another. They go together. But love brings truth in a very different way. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It's always hopeful. You know, some versions translate, say love believes all things. You know what love does is when there's another person and I wonder about their motives, I believe the best of them. I'm hopeful for who they are. I'm hopeful for the future. You know, we had, there's a, a whole psychological term for it, I think, and, um, but I can't remember what it is. But we tend to ascribe to ourselves uh, you know, we, we judge our own actions based on our intent, but we tend to judge other people purely by their actions. Love actually says, I'm going to, you know what, that action, instead of me assuming and beginning to read into your motive as having been negative, I'm going to believe the best about you. I'm going to believe that, that you had a rough day and there was something going on in your life that was really difficult and I'm going to believe that about you. And I'm going to believe that that is not the pattern of your life. And I'm going to, you know, especially if it's someone around you, you know, this is not the pattern. I'm going to believe the best. This is what love does. You know, love, it never it endures through every circumstance. Or as is commonly said, love never fails. 
Can I tell you something? There is no relationship, no situation, no uh, person you are in relationship with where love will ever fail if you choose love over criticism. But what if I don't, and what if I don't make sure, and what if, you know what, if you love a person, and sometimes, and here's the thing, we got to be really careful on this. When there is someone in your life who is close to you, you have a relationship with them. They're in your sphere of life and relationships, and there is something major going on in their life that is not right, and that will be to their detriment, the detriment of people. Love takes action, and love goes to them. And speaks truth. But love does not speak about them just as though that will somehow help things. Love never fails. Love brings truth, but it brings it in love. You know, one of the, uh, and you can, the things about love, and and I'll give you one last snapshot today. Uh, I can remember being on a, a staff team several years back. I was part of a particular team. We were in a staff meeting, and we started to, uh, get into a debate about something. I cannot remember what it was, but I was passionate about it that day. It meant a lot, I felt. And we got into the debate, and I've never, you know, I, I, I think I can sometimes enjoy those things or whatever, but I remember being in this particular debate. I can remember I'm raising my voice, but to me that was like, this is robust debate. This is a good thing. I remember getting a bit kind of heated and into it, and the whole thing got to, I don't even know whatever conclusion. I felt uh, happy that I'd made my point, I believe. And I can remember being in my office later that day, and one of my supervisors coming in and sitting in a chair next to me, and it was like, I just knew by the fact of when he sat and all that, and he didn't, I knew this was a locker 141 moment. (laughs) (laughs) I knew that that's the kind of moment it was going to be. And I was close to this person, and I knew them, and, and the thing that I remember most, most about that moment was still from the moment they came in, the look on his face, the gentleness, the, the, the almost kind of smile, and he just began to ask me, hey, how, how did you think the, the meeting went this morning? And I was like, you know, hey, I thought it went pretty good, you know what I'm saying? I, I said what I felt. <laughs> I was passionate. I think some good, robust... Passionate dialogue is a good thing. And, uh, and he kind of just gently smiled and looked at me. And he began to kind of reflect back to me how I had actually come across. And he began to speak to me about my, my tone of voice, about my, the way I handled myself, about all kinds of things. And he'd ask me, and he probed at my heart to help see what was actually going on inside me. And he gave me an incredible gift that day because he brought... He didn't just criticize me to someone else. He brought to me something I needed to know and hear about myself so that I could make a change and adjustment. But here's the thing about it. If you're like, that's it. God's given me that gift. I can do that for people. Here are the things you have to understand what love does. He loved me that day. He loved me enough to not let me continue down a bad path. He loved me enough to say something. But I never doubted for one instant He was for me. He said some harsh things in my mind. Not 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 in a but he said some clear and direct things. But I knew he loved me. He was for me. He wasn't trying to just come down. And and here's the thing. So here's what I want to say to you. If you're wondering, okay, because here's our challenge. When we find ourselves beginning to be critical, to become aware of it. To stop and to say, 
you know what? That is a critical attitude. I'm speaking criticism right here. Lord, I say with you that is wrong and that is sin and I turn from it. That's what all confession is. Lord, I say with you this is wrong and I want to turn and, and I want to choose love. That's what we want to do this week. We want to get in the habit of a new attitude. We want to break the attitude that wants to focus on people's faults. And we want to say, how in every situation can I choose and live out love? And when you find yourself wondering, is this or is this not being critical? Here, here are just a couple guidelines. One, do you know in your heart of hearts? Actually, we'll take, we'll take that down. I'm going to give different ones. Don't worry. <laughs> Do you know in your heart what you're saying right now is because you desire the good of the other person? We can give each other gifts, but it must always come from, and, and sometimes if you're trying to figure out, should I say this, should I not? You might need to spend some time in prayer before the Lord clearing out any genvy, jealousy, envy, any other emotions that could be clouding what you see and say, you know what? Do I desire their best? Is that where this is coming from? And if so, then go to them with kindness and patience and no irritability. So it might take a week or two of praying about it before you go. That can happen. But we don't just go to be critical. And the second thing to ask yourself is this. Is this person, like, am I even close enough to this person that, that I should even be saying this at all. Uh, you know, there are certain things that you can say, you know what, uh, I see this on a neighbor two doors down at my house, and I don't think that's the best thing, but you just need to be accepting and loving. That same thing, if it's, you know, you see it in your, someone who is close to you in your very own home, then that might be a person you need to find a loving way to go to. But no matter what, we speak to people and not about people. That's the just given. If it's about people in a negative way, not for their good, you can be pretty well assured this is a, a, a critical thing. But imagine this. Just imagine the difference it would be. Imagine if, like, the followers of Jesus in this world, they were just branded with love. They are, they are actually just patient, kind, not irritable. They believe the best about people. Imagine everybody in your workplace knew you know what kind of person they are. They always seem to believe the best about people. They're always patient. They're kind. It's like nothing you can do is going to just get under their skin. You know that, And yet, we are also those people who where when something was seriously an issue, we had enough love in our hearts to go to people and to say, hey, can I just ask you about this? Which, by the way, is always a better way than, hey, can I tell you this? Can we talk about this? I, I see this. Help, help me to understand. That's a whole different way. Imagine if we were just known for love. You know, I'm going to invite the team up. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to sing uh, one last song. And uh, this song, in fact, no, we're, we're not going to sing. We're not, uh, actually, come up. Actually, go, go back. No, come up. <laughs> we're we're going to sing this one last song. And what I want to encourage you is as we sing it, uh, to just ask the Lord if there's anywhere in your heart that you need to just say, Lord, you know what? I know I can be critical. 
And I pray you'd help me to take that off. I confess it's not just a a bad habit. I want to take that off. And I pray you'd help me to become loving. That this week, I'd represent you all. Can I tell you something? We're going to sing, and here's the thing about singing. And you can stand up. While we sing and while we praise God, a critical heart will always ruin our relationship with God first. It's not that now he doesn't love you. It's not that he's like, yo, you're out. You know, if you criticize your spouse if you're married, it's not that you're no longer married, but there's a problem in the relationship. You know what I mean? We sometimes can miss out on the fullness of connecting with God and knowing God because we leave criticism undealt with. And we write it off when God is saying to us, don't you know that person you're criticizing? That's my son. That's my daughter. How could you think that's okay? And so what I encourage you to do, we're going to sing. This song praises God, Elohim, who is love. He is where we find love, see love. He's where we get to understand. He is the one who is perfectly patient, kind, loving. And as we do that, can I encourage you just to, just to confess to him anything you need to today and to seek him and say, Lord, would you help me to be loving? And as you do that, then to lift your praise. Then to praise him, knowing there's nothing that is hindering or blocking your praises as you honor the one who is love. So right where you are, pray as you need. Talk with him in the quiet of your own heart as you need. And we're going to sing together.